This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Let anyone with ears 
listen. We listen to the wisdom of Christ. Jesus proclaims the reign of God in everyday things so that we can clearly see it. Let anyone who with ears listen. We listen to the wisdom of Christ. Well, welcome to worship, good neighbors. You are listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Lauren Tagg, and thanks today to Jim Haugerud and Debbie Tagg, our musicians, Kathy Christensen, our reader and provider of the children's message, and our recording engineer is Isaac Christensen. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and its live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577 by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. Today's radio broadcast is in memory of Judy Haugerud, and we want to thank WPCA Radio also for this broadcast. Next Sunday, we will be at Trinity Lutheran Church at 9.30, and after that service will be their annual meeting. Uh, So those who are from Trinity will wanna be there for that. And then on Tuesday, we offer a gather meal, and all people are welcome. It's from five to seven, there's no charge, and uh, we have a great group of people usually around 50 to 70 or so that come. And uh, we'll keep doing that as long as we can. It's been a real neat time of fellowship. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name. Even when we are not together in a church building, God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. You may want to have a cloth uh, to lay before you, a candle and a cross. We will also be having communion for those uh, who want to take part in that. So have some wine or grape juice, bread or wafer. And then just to have those things there to enhance your at-home worship. You may also want to have a Bible or Bibles uh, for the kids to follow along. So as we begin worship, it is our desire to honor God, to open our hearts to the spirit of God's love and presence and begin with the invocation. Dedicating this hour to the presence and purposes of God, we worship together with God the creator, Jesus our savior, and the spirit our breath of life. Amen. We confess our sins before God and one another. Guiding God, we have failed to follow you as we ought. We have not reached out to our neighbors with the selfless and sacrificial love you modeled for us. We have caused harm to others and your creation by our actions, 
and by our unwillingness to act. Forgive us our sins and lead us back onto the path you have trod for the sake of others. So I declare to you, in Christ, God meets you where we are and as we are and for his sake. God makes us whole and holy. Go forth to follow Jesus in the knowledge that your sins are forgiven. Amen. And we'll uh, ask Jim and Debbie to share again some gathering songs. Praise and thanksgiving, God we would offer for all things living you have made good. Harvest of sown fields, fruits of the orchard, hay from the God bless the labor we bring to serve you, that with our neighbor we may be fed. Sowing or tilling, we would read with you, harvesting
Jesus bids us shine, then for all around, many kinds of darkness in this world abound, sin and want and sorrow, we must shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. Jesus bids us shine as we work for him, bringing those that wander from the Please join me in the prayer of the day. God of creation, by the Holy Spirit, make our hearts to be good soil, rich and nourishing, so that when we hear your word, it will grow in us and bear fruit for the sake of all that you have made. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I now encourage you to share a sign of peace, either by blessing yourself or someone worshiping with you today beginning with a touch on the forehead and using the Trinity formula. Be blessed, or I am blessed in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, we'll turn to the Holy Scriptures and call on Kathy to come and share the children's sermon. The first reading comes from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watch courses, water courses in the Naab. May those who sow in tears reap with joys, tears shouts of joy. And those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy and carrying their sheaves. The Holy Gospel is from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. Glory to you, O Lord. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large, large crowd gathered around him, and he got into a boat on the sea and sat there, while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Another seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Another seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Another seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those who were around him, among with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they may indeed look, but not perceive, and may indeed listen, but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, 
Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root, and they endure only for a while. And then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And the others who sown among the thorns, they're the ones who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the lures of wealth and the desire for other things come in, choke the word, and it yields nothing. But these are the ones who are sown on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a bushel basket or under the bed and not on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is it any secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will come will be given to you. For those who have more will be given, and those who have nothing, even what they have, will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if someone should scatter seed on the ground, and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, and he does not know how. The earth produce it, produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is white, ripe, at once he goes out with his sickle because the harvest has come. And he also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable we, will we use for it? It's like a mustard seed, which when shown, sown into the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all bush, shrubs and puts forth branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to the disciples. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, it's time now to talk with the young people of the parish. Hi, guys. Do you know what a parable is? Well, it's a simple story that illustrates a lesson. Jesus used parables when he would talk to the people about God and and how we were supposed to live our lives. The Gospel of Mark talks about the parable of the sower. And I know it was a long thing that I just read, but I'm going to read this story again from the Sparks Story Bible, starting on page 292. And it's called The Sower. Jesus sat in the boat when he told some people on the shore a story about a sower who planted seeds on the ground. Some seeds landed on a path, and then birds came along and ate the seeds. So the plants didn't grow. Some seeds landed in the dirt with lots of rocks. The sun was too hot, burnt those seeds, and the plants didn't grow. Some seeds landed in dirt with too many weeds, and the weeds choked the seeds, so the plant didn't grow. 
Some seeds landed on good soil and the plants grew and grew. Jesus wants us to share God's word like a sower who scattered the seeds. Just like some of the seeds that didn't grow, some people will not listen to God's word, but many people will listen and God's word will grow in them. You know, that's really a pretty good parable or story. But here's the questions. Were the seeds in the story actually seeds? No, they were God's word of love. What about that soil? Was it actually soil? No, it was people's hearts. And you know, the story didn't talk about what fruit the plants would have, but what kind of fruit would the plants produce? And I'm thinking, if you're thinking that the soil is people's hearts, it could be things like kindness, love, generosity. All those things could show how much we love God. And they also could produce more seeds and more ways to show and spread God's word of love. If I took a seed and put it in my hand and kept it in my hand, would it grow? No. So what has to happen in order for people to learn about God's word and have it grow in our hearts? We need to scatter and plant those seeds, but how can we do that? How can you do that? I can think of some ways. By showing kindness to others, by helping others with your time and maybe even some money, loving one another, showing respect to one another, taking time to listen to one another. God calls us to scatter those seeds wherever we go. Let us pray. Dear God, help me or help us to scatter the seeds, God's word of love, in all of the people's hearts that we meet. In your name, amen. When I am down and oh, my soul is weary, when troubles come and my heart burdened be, then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me.
do more than I can be. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. You are the potter, I am the of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I want to take this parable, which we've talked about so often, because I have to admit, most of the time when I've heard it, we've talked about being the soil, and in the narrative, they talk a little bit more about being a sower and a follower. So I'm going to share some thoughts around that and I'll take some things from the narrative here and then move on to uh, about following Jesus in some ways that I haven't thought about for a while and hopefully it's something that will be helpful for you uh, it's something I'm struggling with and still trying to figure out how to follow Jesus the best way this stretch of Mark, chapter 4, is packed full of imagery that tries to capture the essence of the kingdom of God. The most detailed, the most nuanced lies in verse 1 through 20 as Jesus draws parallel between a sower and God, between seeds and God's word. What does this parallel mean for us? What can it tell us about the reign of God that we are seeking in this time and in this place? In a life of faith, our tendency is to define grace as a gift and to name God as the giver of that gift. Together, we profess that God gives the gift of grace, not because we deserve it, but because we need it. Because God loves us and wants us to have it. This is a beautiful idea. But at the same time, it's dangerous. It can cause us to think of ourselves as passive, it can trick us into believing that faith happens to us and not with us, around us, and not through us. Interpreting grace as a gift and emphasizing God's role as the active agent can make it tempting to read this passage wondering which seed category we fit into. How deep could our roots grow? Or are we finding fertile soil every time we need to? Will we be able to take what God gives and nurture it into something beautiful? Or will we fall away, dry up, get carried off? Which fate are we destined for? Where will the chips, or in this case, the seeds, fall? This morning, the Holy Spirit is reminding us to find balance in our thinking and our reflecting. This morning, God is calling us to celebrate the efficacy 
we have in a life of faith, in a relationship with the divine. We know that God invites us to participate in the spreading of God's word and the building of God's reign. Long story short, we need to think of ourselves as sowers just as much as we think about ourselves as seeds. God's kingdom is the one place where both can be true. In God's vision of shalom that ensures flourishing for every single one of us, we receive and we give. We lead and we follow. We exert and we rest. We talk and we listen. We instigate and we react. We get it and we miss it. In God's vision of shalom, where justice is a shared reality for all of creation, there is no way we as God's trusted stewards can be passive. Reading ourselves as a sower in this story can help us imagine what leaning into the active side of grace might look like. And most of it revolves around humility. If we know what it means to be a seed, if we know that we might not always bear good fruit because we don't understand what Jesus is trying to tell us every single time, we will be patient and persistent sowers. We will not let the seeds that get lost discourage us. We will not stop spreading what we know can thrive when the conditions are right. If we know what it means to be a seed, we will extend love and show mercy to other people when they don't understand what Jesus is telling them every single time. When they don't understand what we're talking or what we're telling them on behalf of Jesus every single time, when they don't take what we give them and grow it. Building the kingdom of God means building empathy. Building the kingdom of God means building resilience. Building the kingdom of God means working out our hardest to make an impact where we can, using the very grace of God that we've convinced ourselves means we can't we can't make an impact on it at all. Our good news this morning is that we have a lot to do in the kingdom of God. And we have a God who will remind us to keep doing it. I like that whole aspect of persistence, of sowing the seed. And maybe we'd go to another verse where it talks about in season and out of season, that we don't give up that we keep going and even when some of the seed is lost and they, people don't get it, that doesn't mean we have failed. It doesn't mean that we stop doing what we are called to do. It doesn't mean when the environment is tough that we don't plant seed or scatter it. Because there is, in many instances, those places that we don't expect it to grow, it does. After all, I have to admit, I didn't know that the seed would grow in me. I'm glad that God stayed persistent. I'm glad that those servants of God who were sowers of the seed kept giving and giving till I had some understandings. So as a sower, we have a job to do. And it's not always easy, but it's important. It's important that we have that empathy, that humility, 
they keep giving and giving even when people don't understand or deal with us in a good way. In fact, one of the stories I remember or that I enjoyed from Live Today, it talks about an old farmer who described one of his cows in these words. The critter would come out of the barn every morning and look at the pasture over. Pretty soon she would decide that the greenest grazing was in the far northeast corner of the pasture and she would walk through tall green grass to get there. Then she would decide that the greenest was on the south side, so she would wander over yonder. She wandered that way all day long and returned in the evening gaunt and tired with little to show for her wandering. Now, how many of us are like that? We say that we would live joyful lives if only the conditions were different. We wander from one goal to another, from one crisis to the next, moving from day to day with no real goals in mind. Worst of all, we starve our souls all this time. We neglect this very center of life itself, failing to relate our eternal soul to God's love and power. In one sense, life may be described as being one at the crossroads. Every day, there are certain decisions and choices that we must make. One way leads to where we should go, while the other leads us to where we should not go. Albert Hubbard once said, it does not take so much strength to do things, but it requires great strength to know what to do. Our decisions reveal our true character. You may be asking yourself, where is my life going? What is the purpose of it all? What am I expected to bring to life? Are we insignificant creatures with no more importance than an ant or a doormat? Or are we children of God and heirs with Christ? If we are realistic, we cannot help but come to the conclusion that we are children of a king and that he ought to be consulted in all our decisions if we are to get the best results. The matters of God and his kingdom ought to be at the center of our living. Every part of life is bound up in a way or another with God. Our final goal is to continue in our faith that we may receive the eternal salvation God promises to all who remain faithful. God seeks to have us choose those things in life which contribute to our spiritual growth and health. The door is open for each one of us today to let the seeds fall into our hearts. The text ends up with another interesting story. It talks about the mustard seed, and about how a small seed and how when it is planted and then it grows into a big bush where even the birds make nests in it. I was talking with Pastor Marianne Bowman the other day. She was talking about her confirmation class of 15, I think it was, students. And they were from three or four different churches up by Luck, Wisconsin. And uh, they had gone to uh, feed my starving children. They'd gone to the local food pantry and then they sat down and talked about what they could do. And so they pulled out the uh, good gifts from the ELCA, which is a book full of examples of where you can buy uh, 
uh, or give a gift of money and it will buy a goat or it might buy a cow or a pig or a garden uh, to get the seeds and everything and bees to pollinate and make honey. And they looked at it and they uh, decided they would uh, each give some money. And when they got done with it, they'd gone home and they came back the next class thinking that, uh, you know, they might get 30, 40 bucks. They ended up close to $300. So they got a garden and bees and they decided on that, but then they looked at it and thought, you know, water is pretty important. And they found that the filter for water cost $30 and they were wondering what they could do. And Mary Ann looked at it and said, well, why not? Uh, uh, if we all gave two dollars, we'd have thirty, wouldn't we? So they went home and checked it out, and sure enough, they came back with more than thirty. And in fact, Mary Ann was sharing that with somebody in the church that the kids what they were doing. And this uh, older lady had just been to the bank. She had a small amount of cash there, and she said, "I'd like to help." And so she pulled out thirty dollars from that little pile and handed, then she said, no, I want to do two filters. And so she handed her another 30. One of the kids had gone home to his church and talked about what they were doing. And they raised well over 200 and some. And somebody else came and uh, uh, to the other three churches from the, the class and talked to the congregations there. By the time they were done, it was $1,300 that they're now trying to decide what they're going to do with it. That little seed planted in a confirmation class all of a sudden expanded. You know, when we, we talk about confirmation, we're talking about having kids having a relationship with this God. And there are seeds being planted, and we, we know there is good soil there. There are some kids that struggle with it, but don't we all at times? But when they catch that and let that seed grow, it makes a difference. Now comes the hard part for us. We know that the kingdom of God will move and change. But Beyond Guilt and Powerlessness, a book by George Johnson, a man who uh, was heavily involved with hunger issues of the church, uh, shares what John Sabrino, a Salvadorian Jesuit, had to say, which totally changed his perspective about who we are as the church. And uh, I'll, I'll read some of that. And it is, this is the part I struggle with. When new members are received into our churches, we seldom ask them if they have responded to the call to follow Jesus Christ. We ask them about their beliefs. Do you believe in Jesus? No new member has questioned me as to what it means to believe. Most find it easy to say they believe in God and in Jesus. As Bonhoeffer says, we haven't asked any awkward questions. In the Sunday morning service, some stand and recite a confession of faith. We believe in God the Father Almighty, in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. Would it make a difference if we stood and said, I am a follower of Jesus, who was executed because of his subversive love for me and for my neighbor? Or, I have decided to follow Jesus this coming week in all that I say, do, or think. Could it be that our desire to keep the gospel pure and be clear 
on salvation as a gift, we have failed to extend this call or the call to follow Jesus Christ as is given in the scriptures. Have we been too afraid of the role of decision on our part? Isn't coming to a decision a work of the Spirit also? Such a conversion emphasis necessitates believing and following Jesus. Many people who have moved beyond the trap of guilt and powerlessness talk about their conversion, sometimes their second or third conversion. By this they mean a turnaround in their lives, seeing things from a new perspective. Such conversions do not negate our baptismal covenant, but rather awaken us to what Martin Luther calls the daily death and resurrection, meaning of our baptism. Every day we answer the call to believe and follow. Dorothy Soul reminds us in saying yes to Jesus, there's a decision no also involved. For example, a no to the royal empires of today that call for our primary allegiance. If I may so say so, one of the things that I'm concerned about today in the church and in our witness the broad church I am talking about is faith setting our goals and our priorities for our politics, or is politics defining our goals of our faith? In other words, does faith define our politics, or do politics define our faith? And it's a dangerous thing when politics define our faith. And I say that to my liberal and my conservative friends. It is something that we need to be very much aware of. It began innocently enough, a friend recommending a book, Christology at the Crossroads by this John Sabrino. He blew most of my theological ducks out of the water he threw a hat down on my Scrabble board and messed up many of my con uh, combinations. He forced me to contend for the ground I had claimed. The question that John Sabrino put to me must, I must share with you. Are you following Jesus or believing in Christ? Plunge into the Gospels anywhere and you will likely find Jesus asking someone to follow. It represents a dominant motif. Why then do we hear so little about following Jesus in the church today? I've been in, with, and around the church for more than 50 years, and no one has ever asked me, are you following Jesus? Not when I was in communicants class, not when I joined the church, not when I became a candidate for the ministry, and not when I was ordained. And never in any of my services of installation Always the questions have dealt with belief. Do you believe in God, Father, Son, and Spirit? Do you believe in the veracity of the scriptures? Do you believe in the unity and purity of the church? It is though we held the notion that following Jesus was in until the crucifixion and went out with the resurrection, that we can take up with Jesus in, on easier terms on the other side of Easter. Do you believe in Christ? It's not so hard to answer that. What is wanted is an affirmation, response to treasured propositions at the second person of the Trinity. 
But when someone asks, are you following Jesus? This can be expensive. This question has to do with my lifestyle, my attitudes, my values, my surrender. Here's the part that really hit me. If I'm following Jesus, why am I such a good insurance risk? If I am following Jesus, when I have done my giving, have I so much left over for myself? If I'm following Jesus, why do my closest closets bulge when so many are unclothed? If I'm following Jesus, why don't I have so many why do I have so many friends among the affluent and so few among the poor? If I'm following Jesus, why do I have so much privacy in a world that is starved for love? If I'm following Jesus, why am I tempted to overeat in a world where so many beg for bread? If I'm following Jesus, why am I getting on so well in a world that marked him for death? Are you following Jesus or believing in Christ? Unfair, you say. The two are inseparable. Theoretically, yes, but pragmatically, no. We separate them all the time, but if we must err, let us err on the side of following. For one can believe without following, but one cannot follow without believing. I hope you ask those questions as I am still trying to ask those questions in my own life. I do want to be a follower of Christ. And sometimes it scares the living daylights out of me to think about what that might mean. But we have to ask the question and let the seed, let my heart be the soil to let that seed grow in love and compassion, empathy, humility, and love for the world as Jesus loves the world. Amen. Lord, let my heart be good soil, open to the seed of your word. Lord, let my heart be good soil, where love can grow and peace is understood. When my heart is hard, break the stone away. When my heart is cold, warm it with the day. When my heart is lost, lead me on your way. Lord, let my heart, Lord, let my heart, Lord, let my heart be good soil. Let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 
Amen. For the prayers of the church, I just want to have us remember some new folks that we have included in our list for this week. Cheryl Flatten, Marie Fredrickson, Mary Greiser, and then the families of Eric Larson and Becky Anderson. If you would add them to your list and continue praying for those folks. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church, even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, your home congregation, the synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. Gracious and holy God, bless these tithes and offerings we have given for the sake of the kingdom. Let the grace and generosity of the Father be the light that guides us, the compassion of the Son be the love that inspires us, and the presence of the Spirit be the power that moves us. Amen. When we celebrate Holy Communion, we gather with all the saints from every time and place to hear again the story of God's power and the love shown to us through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the wine, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Take the bread or wafer, and as you eat it, hear the promise from Jesus. The body of Christ broken for you. Take the wine or grape juice. And as you drink it, hear the promise from Jesus, the blood of Christ shed for you. Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you to life everlasting. Amen. Called to walk as the body of Christ, let us abide with one another in peace. Thanks be to God. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you a favor and grant you peace. And may you follow Jesus. Amen. Some glad morning when this life is Celestial shore, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly 
Churches in Amory, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. Beneath his wings of love above.